We're starting a new series called God's Gift to Us. It's going to be a five-week series, and we're going to go through one chapter in the Bible, and that chapter is John chapter 14. Now, John chapter 14 is known as the Upper Room Discourse, and it is the time where Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, and it is the last sermon, last words to his disciples. It is a time that he'll be moving to the cross, he'll be moving to the grave really soon, and he's given the last direction. And inside this, in chapter 24, he is giving them five gifts. I'm going away. But even as he's saying, I'm going away, he's saying, it is okay that I'm going away. It is good that I'm going away. And the reason why is because I'm giving you these five gifts, five gifts to hold on to five gifts to cherish, five gifts to use, five gifts that you definitely do not want to neglect. So it'll be five weeks going over those five gifts. Jesus knew what was going to take place with him, but he also knew what was going to take place with his disciples. He knew that his disciples were going to face extreme amount of persecution in their life. He knew that he was leaving and his disciples were even going to be martyred for proclaiming his name. He looked at Peter and he knew that he was going to hang upside down on the cross. He looked at Andrew and knew that he was going to be crucified on an X cross. He looked at Bartholomew and knew that he was going to be filleted. He knew that all of his disciples except one were going to suffer extreme amount of persecution in his absence. So as he knew his disciples were going to suffer persecution, he wanted to encourage them. He wanted to motivate them to continue to go. He wanted to motivate them to persevere. And therefore, he started with the gifts. What's one of his gifts? Number one, Jesus gives his disciples hope in an eternal home. Let's look at our passage and then we'll work through it. John 14, 1 through 6 is our passage this morning. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. We underestimate the power of hope, but Jesus does not underestimate the power of hope. He understands that hope drives a person. Hope motivates a person. Hope moves a person. Hope changes a person's behavior. Hope builds inside a person a character to persevere when they do not want to persevere. Therefore, he's going to give them hope. Well, does our hope for our future really change our behavior, change our drive, change our mission, change our actions? I would say yes. Let me give you an example. What's the worst job in the world? Um, you might have a job that you say, well, this would be the worst career in the world, but mine would be a telemarketer. If I had to be a telemarketer, I just think that would be just the worst job in the world. And it would be even 10 times as bad if they say, okay, I'll pay you $25,000 a year to be a telemarketer. I'm calling people all day, getting yelled at. How do I know that? Because I don't yell at them, but I, I try to cut the conversation a little short so I can get off the phone. And as they continue, I just try to interrupt as they interrupt, but they're supposed to interrupt because of their job. So 25000 a year, and if I had to do that, I think I'd go absolutely crazy. I'd be a complainer. I'd be a whiner, and I'd tell everybody about it. But if you offered me $250 million a year to be a telemarketer, I would be the best telemarketer you could ever find. 
I would start looking at all the phones. Oh, I'll call this person, I'll call this person, I'll call this person. One year, $250 million. I can do anything for $250 million in one year. Do you see how hope for the future drives the actions for today? The hope for the future drives our actions, our behaviors, and moves us specifically for the day. Jesus knew this. He knew what his disciples were going to go to. And therefore, he's like, I'm going to give you hope. Hope not with what's going to take place, but hope that is beyond with what is going to take place. Hope in what? According to the passage, a home. Let's look at a closer path. Let's look at a closer look. Number two, Jesus promises you a place your heart always longs for. If he promises the disciples a place that their heart longs for, he's promising us a place that our heart longs for. He says, I will go and I will prepare a place. Those are the first words that he said in the verse. Now, let me tell you what he does not say. Jesus did not say that I'm going to go and I'm going to make you guys into a cosmic force when you die. We always wonder what's going to happen to us when we die. In many religions, well, you'll be this cosmic force. Well, the Bible's not describing that. He says, I'm going to prepare a place, a geographical location. Jesus does not say, I'm going to go, and when I come back, you're going to be a spiritual energy force that is going to be magnificent. He doesn't say that either. He, again, gives a place, a specific location. He doesn't even say, I'm going to go, and when I come back, you and I are going to dwell in the clouds forever, signifying that what are we going to do in the clouds? Many people go, I don't want to go to heaven because I don't even know what we're going to do in the clouds. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm going to go to prepare a place. But then he says something after. Let's look at the verse, John 14, 2. For I go to prepare a place for you, a specific location. And then he makes a statement, and you know the way where I'm going. What does that mean? It means you know the way, and you know exactly where I'm going. Now, that's an inter- interesting phrase, uh, phrase because he's going to go to heaven, or he's going to prepare a place, and then he looks at it and says, and you know what I'm doing, and you know where I'm going, and you know what's taking place. Jesus often does not use that language. He usually uses, uses the language, uh, you think you know, but you really don't know. That's what he tells his disciples. You think you got it figured out, but you really don't have it figured out. You think you know what you're talking about? Let me tell you. You don't know what you're talking about. But here he uses a different phrase. You think you don't know, but guess what? You do know. What's he talking about? My place was not away. I'm sorry. What's he talking about? What he is talking about is there is something deep inside of us that knows what we want. There's something deep inside of us that knows that when we get to the location, we'll be full, we'll be happy, we will find everything we need. There's something deep inside of us that is starving for the ultimate place, the ultimate relationship, the ultimate home. We're pushed emotionally towards this one specific spot that we can call what? Our place. And this is what we're living by. We go and think, if I can get a dream house, then I finally arrived. If I own this specific house, I finally made it. If I have the house with the acreage, or I have the house with the view, then I can have this place I can call home. But what's happened is that as soon as you get the house, there's, there's not a satisfaction that takes place. It's, the house is not enough. 
and then you still have an anxiousness to even gather something else. Or if I could just have an awesome job, an awesome promotion, if I had a job that I just loved and everything else would work out. If I could just arrive, then I finally found the place that maybe God is describing. Or if I won the lottery, maybe money came in, where I didn't have to worry about money anymore, where I can just consume what I need to consume and use what I need to use, and money was never an issue. Then I finally arrived in this world. I finally made it to my place. See, what we're doing is we have this instinct to get to the spot where our restlessness is gone, our desires are gone, where there is extreme amount of peace, where anxiety is removed, and we think, well, if we can just get we got to move. we got to go after. we got to find. We are restless people, and the reason why is because we're looking for this ultimate place, ultimate place. I was a logger for two years, and in the process of logging, I ended up getting married um, um, in July. And after, in July, my wife came and lived with me. I was on the, the road, wherever the logging company was at, I was on. So I was mostly in California, in the central part of California, and then also on the California coast. I got married in July, and then the 1st of September, my wife left me. <laughs> she went to school back in Salem. She didn't leave me completely. So I got married. I'm married for a month and a half, and my wife is gone. And I was in California where I was by myself with my wife located up here. And I will tell you there's something inside of me that was longing for something rich. And the something rich was, this is not my place. This is not my job. This is not my location. This is not where I want to be. My place is where it is with my wife. And I will tell you what I did. I quit my job. I left my job. And I found another job relocated where? To where my wife was for the purpose of finding the place that my heart desires. We are in search for that specific place, and all of our actions and behaviors are motivated and moved because we want it. When Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, what was one of the greatest punishments? Greatest punishment is they were removed from their place. And ever since then, we have all been longing for this ultimate place. We're all reaching out and trying to search for it. Let me ask the question, have you arrived? Is your relationship with your mate the most perfect relationship that you can possibly ever have? You say, there is no flaws in this relationship, nothing but love. There's no conflicts. Everything is wonderful. Is your home life completely flawless where your kids will never whine, never complain? Everything runs completely smooth. Is your job exactly the job that provides everything you've ever dreamed about? When it comes to money and finances, are you to the point where it's like, don't give me another dime. I have so much, I need absolutely nothing more. I don't want it. If this is not your desire, then you have not arrived. You have not arrived at your place. Our place is not on this side of eternity. Our place is on the other side of eternity that God is preparing the place for you, the place that our heart longs for, the place that we truly desire, the place that we crave. And everything that we go after is just trying to get a taste of the amazing place that we crave. This is the place that Jesus is talking about where he says, and you know exactly where I'm going and you know exactly what I'm doing because it's inside of your heart and you want it, you desire it, 
and I'm going to prepare it for you. Is this powerful enough to give to the disciples that knew they were going to be martyred? Powerful enough to say, I will be killed, persecuted on this world, but this is not my place. Do you see the power? They relocated their place to eternity rather than their heart and mind here. It's a gift that we often take for granted. Continue to work through the verse. Jesus promised you the home that you desire. What is a home? Home is a place where you belong. A home is where you are completely accepted. A home is where you fit in. Home is a place where people can be themselves, living in the way that you're designed and created to live. I experience that often, and the place that I experience it the most is in my chair. When I come home from work, or I come home from working outside, or chopping wood, I just love to flop in my chair, look at the, uh, look at the fire in the stove, and just relax. I'm finally home, but it's just a taste before the next day starts. But even if the next day didn't start and I just remained in the chair, I would then get what? Restless. We're still restless. What were we restless for? This ultimate home that is where? That is in heaven that God is preparing for us. John 14, in my Father's house are many dwelling places, and you know the way where I'm going. Now, John the Apostle is listening to Jesus make this fast statement, and John the Apostle receives a revelation towards the end of his life of what this home is going to look like, of what Jesus is even talking about. So let's go there, because John is going to explain this home that Jesus is preparing for us and that we can expect, because we have more than the disciples did even at that time. We have an explanation of the home. Revelation 21.3 says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and they will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the, older, the old order of things have passed away. He who has seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the springs of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. So here is an expanded explanation of Jesus saying, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And here John writes it down specifically for us because we live in a place that's not our home and he's given us this example but what is said in this verse what does this home have to offer because you know jesus is trying to get his disciples to hold on to this home he's trying to get us to hold on to this home what does this passage offer us in this home it offers us father that you need what kind of father that you need what kind of father do you need if you were raised without a father and you've never seen a good example of a father, you still know what kind of father you need. Why do you know what kind of father you need? Because it's built into our hardware. It's built into our existence. A starvation for the perfect father. If you have a father that you love, a father that's been faithful, a father that's been good, a father that's been healthy, you look at that and say, well, he's a wonderful father. But there's also a still craving of, it's just not enough. Why? Because he's not the ultimate father. 
All those cravings for a father and the taste of it in this world of loving our father is a starvation of what's going to be disclosed in eternity when the glorified father has been granted to you. Revelation 21, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and I will be his God and he will be my son. Some of the most amazing words that have ever been spoken just in a sense there will be a relationship that will be intimate a father that will be given to you a father that you have of everything you've ever dreamed about everything you've ever desired and everything you ever wanted all protection all security all love is granted the emotions you desire will be in this home revelation 21 he will wipe away every tear from their eyes what kind of emotions do we desire? We desire joy, happiness, we desire peace, we desire rest. And in this place where we're at, we think if we can grab a hold of something that's out there, then we'll have happiness, joy, we'll have peace, we'll have rest, we'll have everything we need. What's interesting is that many famous people, many rich people are addicted to drugs, are committing suicide. Why? What's happening is they're grabbing, 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 and they get to the top, and as soon as they get to the top, they see nothing but their face in the mirror, saying, it did not give me enough. And it starts to sit in, and as it sits in, the pain even needs to be numb, because I've accomplished the world, but it was not enough. All the emotions you desire will then be granted to you in this home. The longevity you long for. Longevity you long for? What is that? It's going to take place in this home. Well, I'm losing a daughter to college um, in September. She's going to go to San Diego. And I will tell you that I am extremely excited that she is going. There's something about her spreading her wings. There's something about her moving out of the house, being on her own, being in the, new, the world that we raised her up to, to just expand and tackle the world. Extremely excited that she's going. I'm also extremely depressed that she's going. It's like she brings so much to her house. What's going to happen when she's gone? What is the house going to look like? Where's her energy? Where's her beauty? Where's everything that she offers her house? So I'm extremely excited. I'm extremely depressed. I don't even know what I'm supposed to feel in this process. Obviously, I'm not home because it's not perfect. It's good, but it's not perfect. We desire this perfect longevity where there is no pain, but there is fullness inside of this. Revelation 21, there will be no more death, meaning no more separation. No more separation. They'll bring, ah, she's going to be gone. Or anxiety, oh, or excitement, oh, she's going. There will be this complete peace. Longevity would be there. In this home, God is going to give you all the security that you've ever needed. Security? We starve for security. Revelation 21, 3 says, there will be no more mourning. Everything that you hurts you, everything that pulls you down, everything that weighs you will be completely gone. The comfort you wish for will be provided in this home. Revelation 21, there will be absolutely no more crying. The excitement you dream about will be in this home. What kind of excitement do we dream about? Remember the day that you got married? Something new, something fresh, something amazing. And you won't forget it. There's this joy, there's this excitement that is there, that takes place, and you understand the feeling, and I can't even describe it. What about if you got a new car 
Or what about if you got something new? Well, we're starving for something new because we love the excitement that the something new gives us. But it's interesting that that something new gives us does not last very long, and it fades really fast. But we still starve it, so we'll move from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, because we're hungry for this something that is new. Revelation 21 says, I am making everything new. Is not saying, I'm going to make it and then it's going to decay. It means that I am making, it will continually be new every single day. So the joy that you get when you first got married, or the joy that you get when you first get a car, the joy that you get when you first get an item, is just a taste of what is constantly going to be in your mind, in your heart, and in your emotions for the rest of eternity. The satisfaction to all your needs will be in this home. Revelations 3 again. To him who is thirsty, I will give him a drink without cost from the springs of water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this. It's interesting that John gives a description of this home that God is preparing for us, but as he's given the description of this home, he's not explaining the dynamics and the structures of the castles we're living in. He's not given a, a detailed description of the even beauty that is there. The weight is not given the, even the descriptions of gold and marbles and this wonderful thing is going to fill you. It's not giving you all that. What it's given you is this emotion that we're longing for. The same statement that Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Why? Because all the emotions that are inside of us, everything that we crave will come to completion when we get our place, when we get our home. One more thing that's going to be offered there. Number four, Jesus promised you an ultimate relationship forever. You can have a place, and you can have a home, and you'll have nothing if you don't have a relationship. Relationships are absolutely everything. Relationships make the place a place. Relationships make the home a home. The loneliest people in the world are people that live in castles with nobody to share it with. People are miserable. Why? Because they don't have relationships to go with the goods that they have. Relationships, everything. Why? Because relationships make everything come alive. Therefore, in John, Jesus completes it. If you have a place and you have a home, you have absolutely nothing. But if you have the place, you have the home, and you have the relationship, then you have the everything you've ever wanted. John 14, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way where I am going. Heard a comment from a Puritan that says, Heaven with all of its beauty, all of its glory, all of its mansions, and all of its streets of gold would be nothing but hell if Jesus was not there. However, hell with all its dungeons and all of its pit and all of the, the fire and the flames, would be nothing but heaven if Jesus was there. What happens is that Jesus is explaining to his disciples that you will be with me. Therefore, what you're going to go through, survive it, because I'm not leaving. I'm going to prepare the place, not the place that you're in. I'm going to prepare the place for you. Therefore, when you suffer the persecution, when you go through the difficulties, when you struggle through life, think of the place, not think of I'm in the place. 
because the place that we're in is not the, the place that we have from God. The home you've been looking for in all your homes is actually the home that God has created for you. The relationships you're looking for in all your relationships is actually the relationships that God has created for him. The father you're looking for in all the fathers that you have is actually the fathers uh, that, God, that God created in you specifically for him. The one we are really looking for is the one and only God who has prepared a place and a home for us. He knew that those words could be the most encouraging words to his apostle, to his disciples. Therefore, he laid them on at the beginning of John 14. I go, but it's okay that I go because I'm going to prepare a place for you. So let's take these words and let's move them to our heart and say, well, here I am in this life that is not easy, that is difficult. I'm in relationships that are not easy, not smooth. I'm in financial crises that are not uh, not easy. It's not doesn't flow very well. I'm in jobs that are very difficult. I'm in suffering that is not good. How do I get what the disciples were given? Number five, peace comes when you set your mind, invest into, and live for eternity rather than the present. The answer is until you recognize that everything you long for is to be in the Father's house, you will spend your whole life miserable, chasing, empty dreams that bring absolutely no satisfaction. John 14 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. That's verse 1. Let's skip to verse 28, because what he's doing, he's not going to sum up his first statement. Verse 20, uh, actually it's 27. He's going to sum up the statement. Let's look at the repetitive structure. 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, same statement, nor let it be fearful. You heard that I said to you, I go away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I go to my Father. It's an interesting statement at the end. If you loved me, you are happy that I'm leaving. Powerful words from Jesus. Last words from Jesus. If you loved me, you're happy I'm leaving. Why would he say something like that? If you loved me, salvation is yours, and the home I prepared is yours, and it is with who? It is with your Father. Therefore, if you love me, please love me, and if you do, all this will be granted to you. Home is a place where you belong, and God is preparing that for us right now. Home is a place where you're accepted, and Christ is preparing that for us now. Home is a place where you fit, and that place is being prepared. Home is a place where people can be themselves created the way that we are designed to be created and having all the emotions that go with that creation. It's being created for us now. So as we live here, what are we supposed to do? Set our minds not on situations, circumstances are here, but set our minds on there. Number six, your hope for the future is your answer to joy for today. We're starving for joy, we're wanting joy, and we all know that our situations are not giving it to us. We also know that our success is not given to us. We also know that our wealth is not given to us. We also know that our relationships are not just giving it to us. And the reason why is because all those things, if they take place really good, 
are just a taste of what we're longing for in the future. We can hold on to the same promise Jesus gave to the disciples, that future is ours if we love him. So the only question we have to ask this morning is, do we love him? If we do, we're happy he went to the Father. If we don't, him going to the Father doesn't give us anything because he's not taking us to the Father. Therefore, ask the question. Ask yourself the question. Am I living for the home that God has prepared for me? Or am I trying to build my own home here? That's the explanation of salvation. Salvation is, I am going to the home that God has prepared. I'm not taking the home that I'm trying to build here. See, what happens is we get to choose our location. We get to choose our spot. We get to choose our home. And what we can do is we can choose to build what we can, make what we can, do what we can here, but that's not salvation. Salvation is, God, I'm not going to build what I can. I'm not going to do what I can. I'm going to hang on to what you have built and what you are building. And where did he start? He started with the death on the cross and then the resurrection. And then he says, I am ascending to build you the place. Therefore, embrace my death, embrace my resurrection, so life can be yours. We're going to take communion this morning, and there's elements in the front, and there's also elements in the back. And the start of your home started specifically at the cross. Um, At the cross is where all my sins was placed on Jesus, and I can be washed completely clean because all my sins were placed on him. And then what took place? He rose again three days later, and after he rose again three days later, I don't worship a dead God. I worship a living God who's preparing me my home. Therefore, since he died, salvation can be mine. Since he rose, he is living right now, making what is going to be mine. Do I believe it? When you guys come up to take your elements, take up the bread, think about it. This is where my salvation starts. The broken body at the cross and the blood spilt. This is the start of my new home. If you've not made a decision to make this your start of a new home, come up here and make that decision. God, you died for me. You rose for me. God, please call me your child. Father, I just thank you so much, God, for pursuing us the way that you have. God, you've given us salvation, and you did not need to give us salvation. But God, I just pray that everybody in the room, that if they have not embraced you, God, as their Savior, that they have not believed in um, your heart, that in their heart that you are Lord, that they would respond to you, God. God, grace is um, a gift that you have given us. Heaven is a gift that you've given us, and I just pray, God, that we will not neglect it, but that we'll embrace it. And God, if we have embraced it, I just pray that it will be on the forefront of our mind all the time, that we will not forget about the gift, we'll live by the gift and be driven by this gift. We love you in Christ's name, amen.